You know those times in life when you know you're supposed to say or do something, but you're not sure what, so you end up doing nothing? (laughs) This series, these next four Sundays, is an effort to answer that gnawing within. Look, we're living in turbulent days. Our, Our main two issues are the pandemic and the social unrest. And I find these words from Archbishop Desmond Tutu so convicting. Look what he said. If you are neutral in situations of injustice, you have chosen the side of the oppressor. If an elephant has his foot on the tail of a mouse and you say that you are neutral, the mouse will not appreciate your neutrality. I do believe that our Maker and Heavenly Father does have clear instructions and directions on what we are to say and do at any given moment. In fact, in multiple ways and in different time periods, I think these directions have have been already shown. One time in history bears a remarkable resemblance to the time we're living through right now. It was all the way back in the 8th century B.C. The nation God was working with at the time was choosing not to walk closely with him. It was a people who had forgotten God's goodness to them. Our society today, very familiar with that. What Jesus taught, when, when, when Jesus taught us to pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I don't know if you realize this, but that's not going on. For a long time now, we as a nation have been drifting away from God, away from His will. Someone wrote Billy Graham, why don't you wake up and realize that we're free to live any way we want to? We shouldn't feel guilty when we follow our own desires. There's no such thing as right or wrong in my view. Billy Graham's response Do you honestly believe that there is no such thing as right or wrong? Frankly, I seriously doubt it. Child abuse, poisoning the environment, hacking someone's bank account, cheating a neighbor, lying to your friends, murder. I can think of a whole list of evils that you'd agree are always wrong. But why are they wrong? And why are some things like helping others and taking care of the environment always right? Is it simply because society works better if we act this way? The real answer is deeper than this. The real answer is that God has told us how to live. And the reason is because he loves us and he knows what's best for us. The truth is, the way to live has been already shown. You may want to open your Bibles and Bible apps if you haven't already to Micah chapter 6. This chapter, it opens with a fantastic courtroom scene where the hills and the mountains are the jury. The mighty mountains have witnessed the great falling away of the nation, and and God simply wants to know what has happened. Start in verse 2. Hear, you mountains, the Lord's accusation. Listen, you everlasting foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a case against his people. He is lodging a charge against Israel. My people, what have I done to you? How have I burdened you? Answer me. I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you. 
Remember your journey, that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. This nation had turned away from God, and God wanted to know why. He reminded them of his many righteous acts to them. Why is it that forgetfulness seems to be such a plague for us? Why is there such a movement to forget, to forget our history, to forget our founding, to forget our heroes? Patrick Henry didn't forget. We all remember him because of his famous line, give me liberty or give me death, but do we really know the kind of person he was and the kind of things he said? 1774, he was elected as a delegate to the First Continental Congress. During the Revolutionary War, he was the commander-in-chief of the military in Virginia. He was largely responsible for the Bill of Rights. He was Virginia's first elected governor and re-elected for four different terms. And the people re-elected him for a fifth term, even though he wasn't running and he refused. In that period of refusal, he was offered to serve as a senator and an ambassador to both Spain and France. He was offered to serve under President Washington as Secretary of State. He was offered by Washington to serve on the Supreme Court and serve as the Chief Justice. Jim, I'll buy the history lesson in politics. I thought this was supposed to be a sermon. I just felt like I needed to kind of give you a little bit of background about him in case you didn't know before I shared with you some of the things that he said. In all of these appointments, in all of these offerings to serve that he refused, these were the words that he said. It cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians, not on religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Patrick Henry's last will and testament, He would bequeath everything to his children, not that unusual. But notice the last paragraph of that will. I have now given everything I own to my children. There is one more thing I wish I could give them, and that is Christ. Because if they have everything I gave them and don't have Christ, they have nothing. What I'm trying to say is this isn't a political statement. This is a statement of faith. God has already shown us what to say and what to do when we face pandemics and social unrest. Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does he require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. This nation in Micah the prophet's day was facing judgment because there was corruption, oppression, bribery, and injustice. Could our nation be facing the same sort of judgment for the same reasons? Is that too far-fetched? And if it is facing the same kind of judgment, Why would we think that the cure would be any different than what helped that nation back then in Micah the prophet's day? God has told us time and again what it is to begin turning back to him. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4, Hear, O Israel, 
The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 18. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Doesn't this sound familiar? Love God, love people. Hasn't the way forward been already shown? G.K. Chesterton was right. Christianity has not been found, has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and therefore not tried. We know why it's already been shown. It's just that we choose not to follow. It's the way of justice to do the right thing because it's the right thing. It's the way of mercy to treat people better than they deserve to be treated, to not give them what they deserve. But ultimately, it's the way of relationship. It's walking humbly with God. It's always been this way. God is wanting to restore the walks together in the cool of the eve. Those walks that were lost all the way back in the Garden of Eden. It's always been and always will be about knowing and enjoying God. You see, He just can't stand to be separated from you. Could at least part of the purpose of this pandemic and the social unrest be God calling us back to himself? Okay, it's my favorite Max Licato story. Her name was Maria. It was just her daughter, Christina, and herself living in a one-room dirt floor home in a poor Brazilian village. On the walls, an old calendar, a faded picture of a relative, and a wooden cross. You see, Maria's husband had died when Christina was still an infant. So the young mother had to get a job as a maid to provide food and clothes for both herself and her little girl. And now 15 years has passed, and Christina is old enough to get a job and help out. But you see, Christina is high-spirited, and she's curious about the world and the big city. She's beautiful and could have found marriage easily, but she dreamed of trading in her dusty neighborhood for the exciting avenues of city life. And that thought horrified her mother, Maria. She tried to explain to her daughter how life in this city would really be. No one knows you there. Jobs are scarce, and life can be cruel. If you went there, it would be very hard to make a living. Maria knew the kind of life Christina would be forced into if she went to the big city. That's why her heart broke when she awoke one morning to find her daughter's bed empty. Maria knew immediately where her daughter had gone and what she must do to find her. So she quickly threw some clothes in a bag, gathered up all of her money, and headed out. On her way to the bus stop, she stopped by the drugstore 
to get one last thing. Pictures. Maria sat in the phone booth, in the photo booth, closed the curtain, and spent all she could on pictures. With her purse full of small black and white photos, she boarded the next bus to Rio de Janeiro. When she arrived, she began searching the bars and the hotels, the nightclubs, and any other place with a reputation for streetwalkers and prostitutes. At each place, she left a picture taped to a bathroom mirror, tacked to a hotel bulletin board, fastened to a corner phone booth, and on the back of each photo, she wrote a note. You see, it wasn't long before the money and the pictures ran out, and Maria had to return back home. The worn-out mom wept as she made her long journey back to the small village. It was a few weeks later that young Christina would descend those hotel stairs where she had been staying that night. Her brown eyes no longer danced with youth, but spoke of pain and fear. Her laughter was broken. Her dreams had become a nightmare. A thousand times over, she had longed to trade the countless beds for that little pallet she had slept on growing up, but that little village was in too many ways too far, too far away. As she reached the bottom of the stairs, her eyes noticed a familiar face. She took a second look, and there on the lobby mirror was a small picture of her mother. Christina's throat tightened as she walked across the room and removed the small photo, and written on the back was the compelling invitation, whatever you have done, whatever you have become, it doesn't matter. Please come home. And that's exactly what Christina did. She went home. Can you hear God through the centuries saying the same thing? Look again. Oh, people, the Lord has told you what is good. And this is what he requires of you. To do what is right, to love mercy, and to go home. To walk humbly with your God. You see, one word from God and things change. Why? Because he has the authority. His spoken word is never without power. It's never void and empty. When it comes to this pandemic, the social unrest, know this. Heaven will prevail. Strongholds will be removed. Spirits will be silenced. And we, we have nothing to fear. Nothing. 